0: Hi, and welcome to the Sailorville Church Podcast. My
1: name is Abe Miller, along with Pat Nimmers. How are we doing today? Doing great. Good to be back with you. Welcome back from your vacation. Where'd you go? Uh, you were gone all last week. Yeah. I never saw you. I never bugged you. I never yep. texted you. It was great. We were took the whole
0: family, just our family, up to the Apostle Islands, which when I told people that, everybody raised their eyebrows and said, wow, Apostle Islands. And I'm it, like, it's, it's in northern Wisconsin, so... Is It'll, that where all the apostles are yeah. buried? Yep. <laughs> on Lake Superior. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so yeah, it's up by uh, way northern Wisconsin on the south side of Lake Superior. It was a ton of fun. Did some camping and kayaking and hiking. You kayaked,
1: you kayaked in Lake Superior itself, did you yeah, not? Yeah, we did. Uh, I was When I was a little boy, we, we went camping up in the northern part, uh, in, in the north, and we were right on Lake Superior. And I sat on a rock and I put my feet in the water. I couldn't keep them in for more than five seconds. It was that cold. It was cold. It was 36 degree water temperature where
0: we were kayaking. Oh my goodness. So yeah, I was a little chilly. And
1: we, you still took the dip. We did right? jump
0: in real quickly, about 10 seconds. And then we got out
1: completely revigorated, and all the science on this is really amazing you know these uh polar plunge yeah polar plunges man i do one about once a week i that's not true (laughs) i do not (laughs) i do not i'm kind of a wimp when it comes to water so anyway welcome back from vacation thank you and uh happy birthday to you uh thank you thank you well today's not my birthday not today but but it was right yeah it was that's right 25 is what we heard that's what i that's what they said from the platform i don't know i'll yep. be sticking to it because it wasn't fooling anybody at that point but but
0: speaking of 25 years yeah you have you are celebrating 25 years here at sailorville church Which that's is, right so that means i have a big to deal
1: be, i have to be older than 25 then don't that's I, true if i've been pastoring this <laughs> church so i have to be at least what 45 anyway so did you ever think you'd be at sailorville for 25 years you know, um, when I came here, I didn't think like that. I never have thought like that. I just never have, uh, like how many years I'm going to be in a certain place, but, uh, I, I can remember, uh, the whole process. It's very vivid in my mind when I did come here, how the Lord led me, the scripture he used and all of that. And, uh, and then I remember even coming here until I came here, I still had this gnawing thought, is this where I belong? Is this where I belong. And on day one. A derecho-like, it wasn't a derecho, but it was straight line. Winds came through on June twenty eighth, 1998, and uh, Hyperion Golf Course, trees galore were taken out. It was just terrible. And we were without power here on the uh, north side of Des Moines for three straight days, beginning on day one when I started here. But I can remember very distinctly sitting in my office with my boxes all around with my books in them, uh, unshelved, sitting there with just the, the faint light from the one window in my office. And I remember sitting there thinking, God, this is where you led me. Mm. And, uh, so that was 25 years ago. Uh, so really grateful, Gr- glad to be here. Thankful to the Lord for what he's done.
0: Yeah. Amen. And it's been, it's been, uh, I was, I was just talking to somebody the other day. They asked me how long I'd been at Sailorville and I'd been, I'd been coming since 1996 as a college student. Yeah. You longer than me. Yeah. But uh they said, Boy, you've you've probably seen a couple of changes and seen some things <laughs> happen and I'm like, Oh yeah, we've seen lots of changes and lots of people and lots of remodels and additions and all sorts of stuff, which I,
1: I forget that you actually were here before I came yeah. as a student. Yep. Were you a student when I came? Yeah. Well right. yeah, I,
0: I graduated in ninety nine from Bible college. Oh yeah.
1: So you were a student for a full year yep. after I came. Yeah. Yep. Wow, that's another story for another time. That I love I'd love to tell that story cuz it's a neat story our audience should hear the Abe Miller story of how God called you into ministry. It's a fun story and I I'm thankful to be on the front end of that story. Yeah. Yep. So, I cool. tell it
0: I tell it often when I share my story and how God led and yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty really cool. Pretty fun to be able to look back at that and see where where we are now and what God has done and all the blessings which there are lots. Mm. So praise the Lord for that. Amen. Speaking of fathers, the, the message on Sunday was kind of a Father's Day message, but we were talking about a different father, Yep, heavenly father.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So why don't you just give us a quick quick overview in case people didn't get to hear the message?
1: Well, the series we began a few weeks back, uh, our summer series, and our, our audience, most of them probably know that in the... Summertime, we suspend our normal exposition of a passage, or we can we we time it so that we conclude a can conclude a book at the uh, end of the spring and into the summer. We do something on a topical basis. We've done many different uh, series. This uh, summer, we're doing a series called "Theology on Fire." So we are dealing with uh, several as- aspects of theology. It's not a complete systematic theology, but. Uh, uh, and do it in such a way that people get excited about what they believe. Cause we are absolutely convinced that, uh, our doctrine, our theology our what we believe are the, which what the Bible describes as the faith once and for all delivered to the saints. I mean, that's, I, this just came to my mind where, you know, we wouldn't even have the book of Jude had it not been for God interrupting Jude, who was writing a book about salvation. He was writing a letter on salvation and, uh, and he said, uh, he said, but he was constrained by God to write uh, about contending for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. So the, the, the content of the faith is really important, what we believe, if we're going to stand fast in these days that are so tumultuous in our world. And I know most of our listeners, if you're an older saint listening to this, you're thinking, oh man, it's always been that way. And that's probably true, but never more than now uh with the confusion uh both spiritually, uh politically. I mean, everybody's confused today. That's why we need a strong, robust faith. That's the purpose of this series. And so we're starting off with uh, uh you know the last couple of weeks we've been talking about God. So it was really um uh very convenient in some ways to uh to stay on the theme of theology proper, which is a study of God Himself. And uh, since it was Father's Day to really craft a message uh, about our perfect father, because none of us have had perfect fathers. I mean, uh, Abe, you never knew my dad, but I I know your dad and Mm. man, he's an outstanding father. I know you would say that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, He's a great father, but he's not a perfect father. Right. And I had a great dad and uh, but he wasn't a perfect dad either. None of us have had perfect dads. Uh, and, you know, from the, uh, from some of the responses from people after Sunday, uh, uh, those who had dads or no dad at all, or rough outings with their dad, man, they really took that message to heart that there is a God who loves them, Mm -hmm. who is perfect. And, uh, you know, as we said in the message, who loves, who, you know, perpetually, you know, who forgives completely. And then the last point was, uh, you know, he fathers compassionately, but I'm getting ahead of ourselves here.
0: Yeah, there's lots of lots of areas we could talk about when we talk about God and who He is, and the, you know the attributes and the character and all that kind of stuff. And you you were out of Psalm 103, correct? Mm-hmm. Was where where you the main message? So so the kind of the first question I think would be good to maybe discuss. And I, I'm going to read kind of. A couple of things out of the message but i'd like i'd like for us to maybe discuss this and you can kind of respond so let me kind of read through some of these things but you made a couple of comments uh, kind of towards the beginning like how you view god is is very important i mean that kind of sets the tone it's the foundation of everything like what your view of of god is you know you said we tend to pull god down to our level you know, to our own experiences, our own limitations. You talked about um, how people view God as like a circus mirror. It's a caricature when, you know, you get off the ride and the character, you're really like squatty or long yeah. or fat or wide or whatever. Um, and and in something about the long lines of we focus on the attributes we like best about God. Yeah. So, kind of all of that. Why? why is that so important when we think about just the foundational things of how we view God and why, why do we tend to look at God differently? Even like we talked about our, like our own upbringings with our dads, our earthly dads, how does that affect our view on our heavenly father mm-hmm. and all of that? I mean, just kind of talk through that. Why is that so important for us to,
1: well, I'm better with the theology than I am with, uh, philosophy and, uh, you know, I'm not a I'm not a psychologist. I don't pretend to be. But there, and there's no question in my mind that uh, our experiences with our earthly father can really play with the way in which we look at God. I do think that Christian dads should be some reflection of their heavenly father to their kids. Uh, and when they're not, uh, that's when all kinds of things get get messed up and and as to uh, our view of God I mean I, it was Tozer who made the famous statement what comes to our mind when we think of God is the most important thing about us it's a great statement I think is also true uh, and I mean I I should have probably come with a handful of examples I, I it's countless literally countless times I've had conversations with individuals who would claim to have a relationship with God and they'll say something about God that's just off it's not very clear or it's, it's, it's bending toward, you know, his, his love, let's say. And those favorite attributes of God are, are usually not, you don't usually say, you know, the thing I really love about God, he is holy, man. I love his holiness. And while we should love his holiness, uh, you know, or I love he, that he's a righteous God or that, you know, that I love the fact that he's righteously angry, you know, and all this, you know, nobody talks like that, but they talk about they just love the love of God because it's a perfect love. And there's good reason to love these attributes. My personal favorite for years has been the immutability of God that is, that he never changes. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't have an afterthought about me, uh, which I'm really grateful for because I've given him plenty of reason to have afterthoughts about me since becoming a Christian. So it's just very comforting to know that God, Malachi 3.6, I am the Lord. I do not change. But if I only focus on the fact that God is unchanging, then I might forget about the fact that he is a righteous God, that he is a just God, and that as a father, he's a disciplinarian. And he's a perfect disciplinarian. In fact, what just came to my mind was the contrast between human fathers and, uh, and our Heavenly Father and, I, and, I, it's in, uh, and, and it's in Hebrews, where in Hebrews 12, he talks about uh, whom the Lord loves, he chastens and disciplines everyone, that he chases every son he receives. But then he, he, he makes this incredible statement. He says in verse 9 in Hebrews 12, he says, Besides all this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they, that is our earthly fathers, disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. And the implication is it might have seemed best, but it might not always been best, right? But He, our Heavenly Father, disciplines us for our good. Now you might say, well, my dad disciplined me for my good, and he did, but he couldn't do it perfectly. And that's the reason why we have regrets. That's the reason why we, you know, you know the the excessive discipline or the or the or the discipline that's more lax. I mean, we've all met the dad who just kind of ho hums over everything, you know. But our heavenly Father perfectly disciplines us, and then He goes, "They disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them, but He disciplines us for a good that we may share in His holiness." Mm. Uh, for the mo- for the moment, all discipline seems painful, but rather, uh, I'm sorry for the the for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant but later it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it so at any rate the there's a great contrast between an earthly father and our divine father who who never screws up in the process that's good what's the what's the danger for for us the
0: church whatever if we don't if our caric, if we, our caricature is off how does that how does that play out mm-hmm. right so if i view
1: god in a certain way what's the implication of that well i can uh give you an illustration by something that just happened the other day the source will go uh, will remain unknown but uh, i spent some time with uh with a guy uh and his wife my wife and i did really neat guy liked him a lot i think we're friends or we're becoming friends uh he's not a born again christian yet but, uh, he has lots of questions. And, uh, so we were talking and he just blurted it out. He said, look, I just want you to know, um, uh, we really like you and we really like your, you're, you're a really good speaker and they was saying all kinds of complimentary things. He said, but I just, I've been listening to you for a while. And I just want you to know, I mean, we have, uh, I have a friend who's an atheist and he started telling me about his friend that was an atheist He does not believe in Christianity. does not believe in God, but he is the, he is a nice guy. He's charitable. He gives, he gives of his monies to help certain causes. And then he paused and he goes, I just, I'm sorry. I just can't see that person not ending up in heaven. So this guy has a view of God, but his view of God is a God who would just, just basically you know, he's just, he's very forgiving. He's overlooks and We do see scripture where God actually overlooks certain things. But, um, you know, he just, it's just sort of, there's no, he doesn't see the holiness of God. He doesn't see the purpose of, of Calvary. In fact, I listened to him for a while. And I thought, man, how am I going to respond to him? And I just, after he paused, I looked at him. And I said, I get where you're saying. I'm sure your friend is every." is in every way as you described him i said but if he could get to heaven by being a good person without believing in god or his son jesus then i said uh um really why did jesus even have to die yeah i mean that was kind of a foolish thing to have i mean if if good people could just get there and I didn't press on it. It wasn't a time to do that. But you could just kind of see it kind of, uh, in his mind, you could almost see it was, I hadn't really thought much about that. And I just kind of left it to that. But this is a guy who has a caricature of God. God's this guy who's up there, and he's just kind of looking down. He made everything, and all the good people are going to go to heaven, and all the bad people. Well, I mean, they have to be really bad. But the really bad people, they are the ones who go to hell. And so uh, you, you talk about You talk about a subjective view of heaven and hell, and that's what people get when they have bad views of God. And remember, God tells us in Psalm 50, verse 21, He said, you thought I was exactly like you. I mean, what a statement. I love that statement. It's God rebuking us, and you thought I was exactly like you. And so when we do drag God down to our experience and our level, we start we think fallibility. We we apply our fallibilities to God, and that's where we end up with weird views of God. Which is why it's so important, which
0: you know it this it's the mantra around here is you know you know spending time in god's word which is where we get truth mm-hmm. where we get you know a solid foundation which i think a lot of times those caricatures of god come outside of scripture right it's mm-hmm. through a book or it's through movies yep. or it's through social media yep. or it's through some little knick-knack sign we see at some shop that's coffee a, cup thing yeah coffee cup theology that is is shaping what our view is, yeah. and it's not, you know, which I think is just a great reminder for all of us to say, before I start saying something, before I start thinking something, I have to be able to, like, where does that say that in scripture? Where can I back that up? Otherwise, yeah. it's, I, I, I'm i making up my own yeah.
1: caricature. You know, um, while you're talking, saying that, Abe, I was, I was I, what came to my mind was my, my, uh, my sweet, uh Christian neighbor I have this neighbor her name is Amy a little shout out to you out there Amy if you're listening to this uh she's uh she's a little theologian in the making you know she loves God's word she loves theology but she hasn't always loved it and just the other day she wrote me a fairly lengthy text she she was you know a little nostalgic thinking back over the last few years and she wrote me and told me that it was back in at the uh at, on the verge of covid when she was she'd asked me some questions, and she was actually, she was not reading her Bible on a regular basis, and she kind of looked at it as something she needed to do on a, you know, you know, maybe on Sunday and these kinds of things, and I'm not going to recapitulate everything she said, but she quoted a cer she listened to a sermon back then that I preached, and in that sermon, I made the comment that we have the tendency to, we want God uh, to adjust himself to us, but live holiness and living for God is us adjusting ourselves to God. And if we're going to know the will of God in our lives, we need to adjust ourselves to God. And the only way you're going to do that is look at God in focus and God in focus is in the word of God in the scripture. That's where we're going to get uh, a right view, literally view of God. It's a focus, clear view of God rather than in the movies and social media and everything that you just mentioned. And, um, as you've heard me say many times, sanctification is when we adjust ourselves to God and quit asking God to adjust himself to us mm. that's good because when we do thats that's when we get the weird views of God yeah
0: yeah and, and what was the what was the quote from j d greer you know God is slightly bigger than me or slightly better than me yeah
1: what a great quote well, that well, is. i don't
0: I don't know I don't have the whole
1: thing but I've wh- got it right here uh, it says most Americans want a God who is only a slightly bigger slightly smarter version of us yeah uh, that's that's vintage jd greer isn't it yeah he's got he he's the one who gave us that image they want everybody has this i talk about a character picture this in your mind a god who has a big body like a big arnold schwarzenegger body <laughs> <laughs> and a little tiny head <laughs> and it's just stupid it's yeah. just silly silly views of god is yeah what it is yeah yeah um before we, I want to talk
0: about the silversmith and sitting and the Malachi oh. part. I thought that was really good, but one of the other things, and maybe this kind of goes along with it, but the you use several of the Omni words: mm-hmm. omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient. It's, yeah, omniscient. Just explain those quickly because those those are big words that people kind of like. Okay, whatever. Big words like yeah. I don't understand, but they're they're really important when yeah. you look
1: at the the character of God and yeah. theology. I did explain a little bit the week before, and so last week, actually, I didn't explain it, I just kind of pointed to in my head when I said, I mean, I, okay. if, you were, if you're listening to it uh, audibly, there was no description uh, whatsoever, but thanks for pointing that out. It was actually under the greatness of God, and I look at Psalm 139 when I look at those omnis of God kind of all compacted there. So God is omniscient. Omni means all, and uh, uh, omniscient is omni omniscience. And science, uh, our English word science, is where it comes from the word knowledge. So it means all knowledgeable. He's all knowing, and that's where David says, uh, "You know, you know, Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know my, you know my sitting down, my rising up. There, there's not a word in my mouth that you don't know altogether." Uh, and uh, so that's God's. Uh, when we're saying God is omniscient, He's all knowing, and so He's not all not only all knowing; He's omnipresent. You can hear that one right. present. He's present everywhere, and that's where again David said, "If I make if I go up to heaven, You're there. If I make my bed in hell, You're there. If I go to the uttermost parts of the if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, that's that's a metaphor for the wings of the morning. By the way, is really cool. Uh, it means it, literally what David was saying was. If I could ride the rays of the sun, mm. so if I could travel at the speed of light, yeah, you know, even there, your hand will, your right hand will hold me. That's pretty cool. That's the omnipresence of God, and then finally, the omnipotence of God is there when He says He, you know, He He made us in our mother's womb, and this, and and uh, of course, the omnipotence of God is He's all potent, He's all powerful, and um, you know, Abraham said in Genesis. Uh, 18, uh, is, is anything too difficult for you? And there isn't, of course. And Jesus himself said, nothing is impossible with God. So he is omnipotent. Those are the omnis. Yeah. And we cling to those. There's first three things I teach new Christians about God is to memorize the understand, and understand those three omnis.
0: Yeah, that's good. And yeah, you said Psalm 139, right? I that, did. Yeah.
1: Um, I think those
0: are, it's good because I think a lot of times we, and I've even been guilty of this, you know, when I was like, Younger, those big words. You're kind of like, I don't know what that stuff means. They yeah. just kind of blow it off, like, okay, whatever. But I, they are, they are important words. Yeah, I they mean, are. They're comforting and words too.
1: They are when you think about it. I mean, they're they are big words, but they're words worth knowing. Yeah, uh, they're kind of cool words too. You know, we don't use them all the time. You know, but uh, but like you said, they're very comforting. It, in other words, you know, it. This is really the Abe Millerism. If God is, um, is if He's omniscient. So, what or what does that mean? That means God never misunderstands me, yep. He never misinterprets me. I love that. You know, if God is omnipotent, that means nothing, no weakness, str- struggle that I'm having is too difficult for God to not supply. He's there, He can deal with that. And if He's not, uh, and if He's omnipresent, it doesn't matter where I am. I mean, I think it was David Livingston who, when Jesus said, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. David Livingston, the famous missionary to Africa, said, I uh, I staked my entire life on that last mm-hmm. line. So yeah. pretty cool stuff.
0: Yeah, and those are the those are the reminders when you are in, you know, which this goes into the the Malachi sitting with the silver yeah. and all that, right? Like, you know, we're 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 in the we're in the 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 um the, the cauldron. Yeah and and like in those moments, those those truths are great to remember. They're yeah. great to go back to because you, you start to question, you start to go, why, what, you know, why now? What, what, what am I supposed to be learning? What am I supposed to be seeing? You know? So I think that's comforting. Um, and, and the idea of sitting, I thought that was interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, so for the, those who didn't hear the message, it was a part of the message where, you know, I I kind of I was sort of mixing metaphors at the time. I I I used the metaphor of the, of the rainbow, and that we have broken rainbows. We're all broken rainbows, and uh, you know we long for the day that that's going to be restored. But until then, we're told in order to be more like Christ, we need to behold the glory of the Lord, uh, according to Second Corinthians three eighteen. You know, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord we're being. Transformed into His image, and what really hit me as I was studying this, I thought, well, that's like a that's really a two way mirror because uh, just as as we stare into the perfect image of God, as you know, and it, you know His all of His perfection, so we don't we don't get these caricatures of God. He's staring into our image in the process of changing us into more to be more like Himself. And then I said, let Malachi explain it. And Malachi says, in Malachi three three, God will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi. He will sit as a purifier. That's, I mean, again, if we believe the scriptures, all scriptures, you know, profitable, then God is being pictured here as the silversmith sitting in front of the cauldron, as you just said. He's got the silver in it. It's become molten. It's become liquefied through the heat, intense heat, and he's skimming off all of those impurities, the slag and all this a little more, and they'll even add stuff to kind of make it go that, you know, but the, he sits there because the silversmith cannot let the heat get too hot because it'll destroy the silver. It'll ruin it. So he sits there and continues to do it until it's ready. And, um, and then, of course, we made, the, we made the observation. What's really cool is he knows when it's ready, when he can see his own reflection in the silver. So here we are staring at the glory of God. We're looking for his, ref- we're seeing the image of God in all of his attributes and, uh, and God's staring back at us until he sees himself in us. And meantime, we're in the cauldron, right? And really what I, I see you talk about comforting. It's no, it's comforting to know that our, our God is sitting there. He's, he's not, he, the heat's on. And some of us are in, you know, are getting heated up right now in the various circumstances of life. Uh, but he 's not going to let it get overheated and i the one thing i didn 't say in the message and it this was sort of sort of surreal and a little bit ironic and maybe even more so sobering and that is what what, what when the silversmith can see his image in the silver that means it 's ready and that 's where I ended it in the sermon but yeah. the, the question is the egg question is ready for what mm-hmm. and the answer is ready to be poured out, yeah. And that's why God created us to be poured out for His glory. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because you, you you know you lot, you often
0: hear and you know I think I've definitely been guilty of this. You know we pray for comfort, we pray for safety, we pray for things to go well, we pray for. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's very selfish when you think about it, right? Like, but when you when you think of this illustration and you think of the sovereignty of God and all knowing and all powerful and and He, He's refining us to be more like Jesus so more people more like Jesus. We often look at that as a negative like oh my goodness it's heating up and like yeah, yeah. oh my goodness there's all these stresses and there's all this stuff going on and yet like like you said it's God's perfect plan. It's just right. It's not it's not you know like oh my goodness I don't know what's going to happen. God knows exactly what's going to happen and, and that's for my good so that I'm looking more like Jesus. We just look at it as a negative instead of uh yeah but like I should, that's what, that's what we say, right? Like, are you more like Jesus now than you were last year?
1: Yeah. Well, you should be. Yeah. We should be right. We should look more like Jesus than we did a year ago or two or 10. Abe, you were in the third service, weren't yeah. you? Yep. And I don't think that's the one that got in. I think you probably put the second, cause I didn't talk to you on that. Tanner's here recording this. And, uh, and I don't think I mentioned this in the second service. So if you re-listened to it, you didn't hear that part. No, but, I did. I I listened to the second message too. Oh, but you, yeah, I know you did, but in the second message, I didn't mention what I'm about to say again. Oh, okay. You heard it in real time when you were in the yeah, yeah, yeah. third service. So you know the guy I'm talking about. I'll just name him. It's it's Daryl, uh, one of our most faithful servants around here. He's just greatly loved. Our children adore him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and he adores them. I don't know who loves them more, the kids loving him or him loving the kids. He's just an amazing godly man of god and we have in our church service he came right up to me after the second service and he said he I, i i didn't know this he told me that his father died you know when he was uh i believe before he was born yeah young and or or really just born and then his stepfather that came into this picture uh you know was very abusive he lived a very very difficult childhood And so the message had real significance to him The the, you know, the, the compassion of the father Mm -hmm. was very significant to him. He loved that. But I looked at him and I said, you know, Daryl, I said, you know, that was quite a cauldron for you to be in growing up as a little boy. Yeah. I said, but, uh, but think about that. Look what turned out. Yeah. I mean, the image of God in this man is so evident, so cool. Yep. Yeah, and that and that,
0: like in the moment, though you you don't see that, right? You think, oh, this is this is terrible. Yeah, you are not. Going, oh man, am I starting to look I can't a little bit more like you, Jesus?
1: <laughs> no, we're not doing that.
0: But it is good to be reminded of that in those in those heated moments. Yeah. to re- like God, what are you doing? What are you what are you forming to be poured out? Right, like what is that? We don't know. We don't we don't see God in His big plans. I was just. We were just quoting the the verse of man plans his ways, but God determines his steps yeah proverbs sixteen proverbs sixteen nine you know, and like that, I don't know you just you don't know how God's preparing you for something yeah. to be poured out to be used, so yeah, that's yeah. always encouraging those thoughts very much so um yeah, so it, i guess I guess the You know, the other thing we can just finish on this was, and you mentioned this, that just the compassion of, of the father and, you know, we're all broken. He still shows compassion to us. I think that's a, I think you made it, you made a comment too about, you know, we're all broken. We're all messed up. And I feel like even growing up as a kid, you know, like that wasn't, you had this, you had this thing, like you kind of had to be perfect, or at least you were trying to be perfect. And it was like, you, if you screwed up, it was like, oh, how dare you? You know, I can't believe you screwed up, which You know, I just feel like over the years it's, we don't, we don't like celebrate like, oh, you're messed up. And, you know, but there is a different perspective, I think of like, yes, we're broken, but we have Jesus and that's, you know, that's healing and that's completing. And that's, I think that's just encouraging to people instead of like, I got to be perfect. I got to have everything just right. I got to have everything just so, you know, nobody can do that you and I can't do that. There's nobody on this staff. There's nobody at this church that can be perfect, that can live that life. So I think it, that part of the message, I think, is just encouraging to people. Like, God loves us. He He knows us. He knows our brokenness. He loves us in our brokenness. Um, I, I just think that's
1: such an encouraging thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. And I, I guess I would say the only thing I, we've got, I, I feel like And over the last 10, 15 years, there's a lot of jargon out there that sounds very spiritual. You know, like I am a broken, you know, I'm broken or whatever. Just acknowledging that. But to say that and to really flesh it out, live that, be humble, you know, in your life uh, and demonstrate that humility. That's a different thing altogether. It's one thing to acknowledge the theology of our brokenness. It's another thing to, to... acknowledge your brokenness. When you break things, how, let's put it that way. When you break things, when you, when you, when you break a promise or when you break a truth, uh, when you, when you mess up, uh, my earnest desire is that, um, that uh, God's people, starting with myself, would be really humble when we really, when we mess up and not just say, yes, I'm a broken vessel and only by the grace of God, you know, you, you walk in those people, how you doing, you know, uh, better than I deserve. You know, I, I'm so, you, I mean, I, I mean all little nod to Dave Ramsey, people say that. And sometimes they just feel like it's like the automatic thing coming out of their mouth. They sure. just wonder if they really are saying that from their heart. Yes. It's better than I deserve. But, uh, when I live in such a way that I realize, I'm broken, but my father isn't. And uh, he loves me anyway. It's not a carte blanche to sin. It should be an inspiration to please him, right? To be yeah. like Jesus who said, I do always do those things which please him. And while we will not always do those things which please him, you know, we can strive to that in. But well, it remind
0: I mean it's a good reminder of just the gospel. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. I mean, right? Otherwise it's it's the self self-righteousness. It's the, I'm somehow earning it. I'm somehow attaining it and keeping it and holding it all together based on my performance, which is not true. So like the more, the more that I can say I'm broken, the more that I can say I'm hurting and needy and I'm weak, the more I rely on the gospel and who I am in Christ and my identity in Christ rather than my identity and my performance or who I am. I mean, that's something that I'm learning even now that I just, to lean into that even more than you got to be just perfect and you everything's got to look good. Like that that's like Paul saying, you know, I'm not going to boast in my, in my own performance, but I'm going to boast in the cross and in Christ, yep. not in who I am.
1: So yep. that's why we ended it by reminding everyone that, you know, that Jesus left the eternal unity that he had with his father to bear our sins and be separated from God. And for the first and only time, instead of addressing me as my father, as my God, You know, Jesus went, left perfect unity to be separated from God so that we could be, who were separated, unified with Him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just live in that gratitude. That's a good place to be and be thankful for your perfect Father. Yep.
0: Amen. Amen.